بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله على سيدنا محمد سيد الأولين والآخرين وعلى آله وصحبته أجمعين. We praise Allah subhanahu wa taala. We send peace and blessings upon our beloved messenger Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, upon his family, his companions, and and those who follow them until the end of time. Assalamu alaikum everybody. It's great to be in Canton. I used to live actually. A uh, little trivia in Dearborn Heights uh, years ago, subhanAllah. Uh, and I was a student of Sheikh Ali, and I'm still, mashallah, a student of uh, your Imam, uh, Sheikh Ali Suleiman, who, mashallah, very lucky to have someone who has a lot of empathy for people, is someone who like really cares about people and thinks about the deeper problems that people face. So just a moment of appreciation. Uh, we ask Allah to bless you, Sheikh, to bless your family, uh, all the struggles and efforts that you make. Uh, I just want to talk to you momentarily about the Quran. I'm not able to talk about intergenerational conversion. So it would be unfitting for me to try to talk about something that I don't know about. So forgive me for kind of changing uh, the topic as it was advertised. But what I would like to talk about today is just the beginning of the Qur'an. You know, Abdullah bin Mas'ud used to say, Allahu ta'ala bihi. Uh, Abdullah bin Mas'ud said that you should always start with what Allah started with. And one of the understandings of that beautiful statement is like, start with Qur'an. We, we live in a time uh, where so many things are happening internally and externally to the Muslim community that if we're not careful, we're not able to stay focused on Qur'an. But ultimately what matters is having a strong relationship with the Book of Allah. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, right? like Cling to the rope of God. The rope of God means the Qur'an as Sayyidina Ali he mentioned. And the reason it's called a rope is because I'tisam, Ibn Qayyim said this very beautifully, the Mu'tasim is someone who's drowning in water. And in their last ditch effort for safety and salvation, he or she extends his or her hand as they're drowning, hoping that somebody will throw them a lifeline. That, that lifeline and that exercise is called I'tisam. So the metaphor is that we're drowning in dunya, and we're drowning in difficulties and trauma and pain and things around us have blurred our vision so in, in that puddle of dunya, that muddy sea of dunya that we find ourselves drowning in, we shove our hand out looking for the Qur'an as a means of guidance, as that lifeline in that relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's unfortunate to see the priorities of the community have shifted away from the Qur'an. I remember upon my conversion, my first teacher, all my teachers were subhanAllah from Africa. Uh, for the most part. Um, and my first teacher was from Senegal. I studied with him, mashallah, for 10 years. I memorized the Quran with him. And I remember he, in Oklahoma, and I remember he, he told me a story about his grandfather who used to be a, a major mufti 100 years ago in Senegal, that some students of knowledge visit him. And when they came to his home, they were like, we want to study usul of fiqh, you know, we want to study like these really advanced topics and, you know, aqidah and like arguing and fighting over this scholar and this and that and whatnot. 
So his, his grandfather said to them, what type of relationship do you have with the Qur'an? Meaning like, tilawatan wa hifan, like your recitation of the Qur'an and then your you know, memorization of the Qur'an and your understanding of the Qur'an. And they said like very little. Like we need to start with what Allah started with, which is the Quran. I had a friend, mashallah, we were students together in Azhar, uh, really awesome brother, mashallah. So he told me like, we went to Azhar before like the computer era really exploded, you know. So like, in the early days, it was about books and hif. And Quran. So he told me, subhanAllah, his daughter, Hafizahullah, she, when she was like a toddler, she drew a picture of Baba. So he told me that picture was of me reading the Quran. So like such a beautiful thing, like for your daughter to like relate that to you. Then he said, but subhanAllah, like three or four years later, she drew a picture of me looking at a computer. And I said, MashaAllah, you were like looking at the Quran. He's like, nah, dude, I was looking at Netflix, bro. Like, I wasn't looking at Quran. But his point was like, I changed. My time is not like used like it was before. I'm not disciplined like I was before. When Allah talks about the Quran, He usually uses a form that implies like consistency. Yatluna kitab Yatluna, like they're always reciting the Quran. They're always engaged in the Quran. So, like, let's just step back for a moment from kind of all of the, you know, the dramatic issues, politics, Islamophobia. These things are important. Let's like make jawla bi kitabillah. You know, like let's let's take some time to walk through the Quran. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we'll talk about today Surah Baqarah. You know, Surah Baqarah is like very beautiful. We know that the Prophet like you should read the two chapters which bring light. Surah Baqarah, Surah Ali Imran, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. One of them is Surah Baqarah. We know that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in Sahih Muslim, where he was choosing a leader amongst the community. And he asked people like, what do you know of Qur'an? And there was a younger man who said, I memorized Baqarah. And people in, in the actual gathering were like, wow, you memorized Baqarah. It's a big thing, alhamdulillah. And then the Prophet said, you memorized Al-Baqarah? He said, yes. He said, and you understand it? Yes. He said, this is your Amir. Like, this is your leader. Uh, we understand something here that if we look at most nonprofits in America and the structure of our boards, our boards are more reflective of an ethics of capitalism than Islam. The board of the Prophet wasn't just made up of doctors. The board of the Prophet wasn't just made up of engineers or people who made six figures. The board of the Prophet was made up of people who were qualified, regardless of ethnicity or social economic status. And the Qur'an was seen as something that raised people, regardless of their ethnicity, regardless of their language, regardless of their social economic status. The Qur'an was a means of social agency if someone, of course, acted and lived according to it. 
And that's why Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab, Imam ibn Kathir, he says when he went back to Medina, Mecca, during his reign, he, he found a young man who was formerly uh, in bondage. And he was now the Imam of Mecca. And, and Sayyidina Umar, he said like, you know, your Imam is a former slave. And they said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, oh, leader of the believers, he's the most knowledgeable of Quran. And, and then Sayyidina Umar, he said, like he read this verse in Sultan Yunus. That doesn't mean that the person who knows Quran should be the engineer or the doctor or the lawyer or but when it comes to religious affairs and religious issues, people who live and understand and act on the Quran should be favored. But in other areas we respect specialization. That's why Imam Ibn Taymiyyah he was asked during the time of the Mamalik. You know, there's this choice between two generals. One was Fasiq and Mahir. One was known to be a sinner, but excellent in the art of war. One was known to be someone of Quran and pious, but not very skilled in warfare. And he said, if you were to choose the person who's not skilled in the name of piety, you would be committing a sin. So let's not get it twisted. Because someone knows the Quran doesn't mean they know everything. When it comes to issues of religion, in deen, the Qur'an is the marji'iyah, al-asasiyah, is the, the first foundation, and then of course the sunnah. We know that there are like so many beautiful hadith about the Qur'an. The Prophet said, Like no people will gather in one of the houses of God to recite the Qur'an and study the Qur'an, except the angels will surround them and cover them with rahmah right now that's you guys and being blessed with tranquility and sakina and those malaika will say allahumma ghfir lahu allahumma ghfir laha they'll be praying for your forgiveness and asking allah to you know expedite your 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 sins and increase your blessings and your guidance that's the barakah subhanallah of quran that's why one of our our teachers used to say in this poem you know, the best thing that anyone ever said and the best thing that anyone ever spent is the Qur'an. So alhamdulillah, like, we can take a break and think about Qur'an. The Prophet said, Like Allah has chosen, chosen friends. Manhum ya Rasulullah. Who are those people? Qalu ahlu Qur'an wa The people of Qur'an are Allah's chosen friends. That brings us to two questions. Number one is, what if somebody doesn't know Arabic or they cannot read Arabic? Are they still eligible for all of these amazing blessings? Of course, in the ma'lamaru biniyat. Every action is by an intention. I remember... When I used to read Surah Al-Kaf, the old Yusuf, uh, Yusuf Ali version, you know, the big one, right? And I used to say to my teacher, man, you know, I can't read Arabic. He said, make the niyyah that if you could read Arabic, you'd read it in Arabic. Make the niyyah, if you could read like Husari, you'd read like Husari. Because a niyyah brings about reward, alhamdulillah. So it's about the intention. 
It's not really what language that you read it in. The second thing is people tend to believe that they have to read a lot of Quran for there to be like blessings and guidance. We know that Sayyidina Ibn Abbas, he, God be pleased with him, he said, you know, I would rather read a short chapter of Quran and gain something out of it than a lot of Quran. And that, that points to a very important issue. That the purpose of the Quran is not barakah in itself. Barakah is the outcome. But, but the purpose of Quran is to organize our lives around excellence. To organize our lives around excellence. And that means bringing benefit and preventing harm. That's the goal of Islam, subhanAllah. That's why Sayyidina Al-Qarafi, he's a great scholar, he said, you know, if you look at every verse that says, Ya yuhaladhina amanu, either it's a command that protects you from harm or a command that brings you benefit. That's it. SubhanAllah, Jabal So the goal of the Quran is for me to achieve excellence. Yastami'oon al-qawla fayattabi'oon ahsana. Allah says in Surah Zumar, those who listen to the Quran and they follow the best of it. Meaning that there's darajat in the Quran of khair. There's levels of goodness. And these are people who achieve, try to be a sabiqoon al-awwaloon, like those who achieve the highest level of stuff that's found in the Quran. The last is that sometimes people feel, and this has been unfortunately one of the outcomes of some of the contemporary da'wah movements, that they're not worthy to have a relationship with Qur'an. That they will actually give more importance to the words of their shaykh. Or more importance to the, the group that they belong to than to the words of Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ said, Fadlu Qur'an. You know, the, the virtues of Qur'an to any other words is like the virtues of the moon compared to the rest of the stars. And this is a danger. Sometimes I meet converts, they can read the poetry of Busayri, or they can tell me about this imam, and this imam is astray, and this imam is right. If you ask them, recite Fatiha, they can't even recite Fatiha properly, but you can argue about groups, and imams, and mashaykh, and poetry, and awrad, and these things. I remember the minute I converted, my teacher, he grabbed me and he said, Alayka bi kitabillah. I didn't understand what that meant. I don't speak Arabic. I said to my friend, man, what's he saying? He said, start with Quran. Start with Quran. Then I said, how? He said to me, I'll see you on Tuesday. You're going to start. I came on Tuesday, a bunch of kids. Alif, ba, ta, tha, jim, ha, kha. Two years later, alhamdulillah, we finished the Quran. But the point is, our community has somehow lost its way in the notion that you as common people, quote unquote, the awam, are too spiritually bankrupt to approach the Quran directly. You have to have an intermediary. You have to have a sheikh. You have to have an imam. You have to have some kind of saintly guru figure. And no doubt there are times and places for mashaykh, like fatwa, like issues of ahkam, understanding rulings but Imam al-Razi rahmatullahi alayhi he says in tafsir al-kabir that the majority of the Quran can be understood by everybody alhamdulillah because it's not possible to believe that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to send a prophet for al-alameen 
and a book for Al-Alameen. That Allah is going to send a book for all people and a, and a prophet for all people and then restrict access to that. And that's why numerous narrations are in front of us of people who've been guided by the Qur'an who didn't even believe in the Qur'an. What about those who believe in the Qur'an? And those people, they didn't have someone to guide them. But they found huda in the words of Allah. So if my thiqah is in al-bashar, if my reliance is on humanity, any human being, more than the words of Allah, I need to check my understanding of Islam and my priorities. That doesn't mean we don't respect ulama and we don't appreciate scholars, of course. But there's a difference between expertise and authoritarianism. And at times our community begins to lean towards authoritarianism. Whereas, Kitabullah amamana wa imamuna wa kathalik sunnat rasulillah alayhi salatu wa salam. And that's why the Prophet said, Taraktum fikum amrain. I left you two things. Kamarawahu malik. Kitabullah wa sunnati rasuli. The Quran. Ma, you'll never go astray. Ma tasakt. As long as you cling to them. So at times we find people literate in things which really don't matter. But illiterate with Quran. Allahu Akbar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about the Quran, فَلَا أُقْسِمُ بِمَوَاقِعِ النُّجُومِ وَإِنَّهُ لَقَسَمُ لَوْ تَعْلَمُونَ عَظِيمٌ إِنَّهُ لَقُرْآنٌ كَرِيمٌ Allah says that I swear by the stars. And this is an incredible oath, he says. If you only knew that indeed it is the Quran. Meaning that the function of the stars to guide people at night through the dark. The Quran's job is to guide us through the darkness of dunya. Through Trump and Islamophobia and having a team like the lions and all those kind of things. The Quran, Nahtadibi. And most people I've met, even students of knowledge, that's why one of my teachers used to say, we don't consider someone a scholar unless they memorize the Quran. And I used to notice in Azhar, the difference between someone who memorized the Quran and who didn't memorize the Quran, especially in their language. And I'm going to give you a cheat code if you ever go to an Islamic university, if you memorize the Qur'an, it will save you in your exams. Because like sometimes you don't remember certain things. So you can just write some Qur'an, you know, do some tafsir. Because nobody's going to tell you, ah, that's a mistake. Ah, the kitabullah. Ah, sah, sah. And the last I can say this as someone who's been Muslim, mashallah, now for 25 years. The Quran will ne you'll never be alone. You'll never feel sad. Like you'll never feel like, you know, I don't mean clinical depression. That's different. Of course. That's that's a challenge. I'm not talking about those kind of challenges. But I'm saying, like, you know, you're in the airport. One time I was in the airport, flights canceled. I'm stuck in the airport in Denver. Khalas, I have Quran, alhamdulillah. You know, now, alhamdulillah, I have. Fortnite, alhamdulillah. How many pink bunnies are you going to shoot before you get tired of shooting pink bunnies? 
But subhanAllah, Quran, as they say, like, it always will leave you thirsty. And you'll always find something new, even in English. That's why, subhanAllah, one of our teachers, he memorized the Quran in, in 14 different ways, mashallah. And we were studying the tafsir of Fatiha and the explanation of Fatiha. And somebody asked him, like, do you get bored? Like, how many years you've been teaching this tafsir? Tafsir of, of Imam Zamakhshari, uh, Kashef. Uh, he said, you know, subhanAllah, I asked myself that question. And then when I start to think about it, Allah shows me something new. In Surah Fatiha. Not like Ali Imran, not one of the long chapters. He said, even in Fatiha, for now he was alive, I think, up to that time, 53 years. He said, Subhan, like every year I find some new stuff, some Easter eggs, right? That I never knew were there before. So, alhamdulillah, we should like appreciate and have a good relationship with Quran. And that takes us to another point. I mentioned it, two points. That it's important to have a personal relationship with Quran. Not to derive rulings and not to make fatwa. No, of course, that's, that's the area of expertise. We ask ulama. If we don't understand words, if we want to make sure we understand, it's very important to at least read one tafsir or listen to one whole tafsir. Like, that's very important, alhamdulillah. And the Quran encourages us to respect scholarly expertise. Unlike the left now, the far left is just like rejecting scholarship. Alhamdulillah, one of our core values as Muslims is to respect ulama and to ask people who know. But sometimes I find young people, they've been told even by their parents, maybe they've made some mistakes, or sometimes people in their mid, midlife crisis, you know, ashab al-a'raf, right? They're like, you know, I made some mistakes, my life's over, khalas, Allah will never forgive me, blah, 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 these things, right? I received a, a message from a brother, it's on my Instagram account, I believe, who, he wasn't Muslim. So, he sent me a message, it's very interesting, like it's the prototypical story, but it's very beautiful. He said, brother... I don't know what to say. It's how you can tell someone's like not really sure if they're Muslim. It's like, I don't know how to start the conversation. It's like, hello, salam, whatever I'm supposed to say. And he said, you know, I picked up a copy of the Quran to fight Islam. I, I wanted to research the Quran in order to like use the Quran to prove the things that I had assumed about Muslims and about Islam. And then he said, you're not going to believe me, and I'm not crazy. He's like, really buttressed his like, explanation with like, a lot of um, excuses. He said, but I noticed when I, would start to read, when I would start to read the Quran in English, I would start to weep. Like just, just like something like hit me, you know? And then he said, I began to ask myself like, am I crazy? Like why am I weeping? Like, why am I crying? And then he said, I realized that this is the truth. So like, this is someone who, as far as I know, he was reading the Quran in his restroom. Man. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guided him, who is this, you know, in the Omar kind of 
general kind of perspective of like being an enemy and an antagonist towards Islam, then you should never feel you've done something wrong enough that the Quran cannot inshallah change you. And that take me to the last point. Maybe some of us need to revisit how we see the Quran. I, I had a student years ago, mashallah, she was like really incredible, she's very young. This was when I was living in Oklahoma, actually before I lived in Michigan. And uh, she was brilliant, she had a great memory. Her Arabic was good, alhamdulillah. She was very young. Um, and I, I taught her, she was a child, like early teens. And as I was teaching her, Surah she she said to me, are you gonna hit me? I was like, man, why would I hit you? It's like, first of all, I'm like 25 times bigger than you. If I hit you, subhanAllah, it's gonna hurt you. She's like, well, in my country where I came from, like that's what the sheikhs do. It's like, hit you. Unfortunately, and this is a fitna, why are people, abusive people, psychologically challenged people, a, a, a teacher of the Quran should be a conduit of mercy. So some of us have had bad experiences. I was in an office and a, a woman brought a copy of the Quran and she said, I need you, she said to the imam at that place, I need you to take this Quran. I've never seen someone ask someone to take a copy of the Quran. So he said, why? She said, because I was molested by the shaykh who taught me with this Quran. A'udhu billah. So for some of us who've gone through serious trauma, those are like therapeutic issues. I encourage you to get into therapy, alhamdulillah, with a qualified mental health professional. But then for those of us that have just like associated Quran with bad things, right? One time I said this story a lot. I was reading the Quran in front of a friend's house in a Muslim country. It wasn't Egypt. And I was reading Surah Yasin. And his phone started ringing. And people called and they're like, there's some guy reading Yasin in front of your house. So what catastrophe has befallen you? Who died? Is there like Musiba? Aladekum Musiba Yani? They're like, la la, hada yuraji' kitab Allah. It's just like, he's just reviewing. They said, wow, that's strange. Like, you know, like, something bad hasn't happened. So maybe we need to reformat how we see the Quran. Not as something which is intimidating, not something that is trying to ruin our lives, not something that should uh, be so uh, negative that it's counterproductive in our relationship with Allah. But we should see the Quran as a stairway, as a means to draw near to Allah. Once a man, he came to Sayyidina Uthman ibn Affan, anhu, and he said to him, what is the quickest way to get close to God? He said, bi with Allah's words. So let's just take a few minutes, inshallah, because I know it's Friday night, alhamdulillah, I got off work today, you got off work today, I know how it is, you want to go home, and alhamdulillah, I want to spend time with our kids and our family, it's such a great thing, alhamdulillah. May Allah bless you and your families, inshallah. And for those of us who are like, today you're at school, like definitely you want to like chill out a little, I get it. But let's just talk about Al-Fatiha, just the name. Inshallah, this winter, mid-January, we have a free online retreat. I know there's so many things happening, but a lot of us can't go out. Right? A lot of us can't go places, so my institution, Swiss, 
We're going to have like a free online retreat for like two days just for people who like want to learn. They can't travel. You can't travel. And one of the things we're going to talk about is openings. Openings with family, with faith, with community. Through Surah Al-Fatiha. And the Fatiha is the opening. The name Al-Fatiha is very powerful. It's translated as the opener, it's the active participle. But many scholars say something beautiful, man. This is really nice. It's so touching. And it shows you how much Allah loves you. Not something we should tell people. I was in a class once, and I taught these young children the name Al-Wudud, the super lover. And one of the children said, Allah loves me? I didn't know that. Like, in his mind, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was like, A'udhu Billah, like this vengeful, wrathful, being that is simply there to remind this young boy that you'll never be who you think you can be. That's the opposite of Sayyidina Nabi alayhi salatu salam who's motivating people to achieve excellence. So there's an opinion, which is also a strong opinion, that Fatiha لِنَّفَاعِلْ بِمَعْنَ مَفْتُوحَ that the word Fatiha actually means what was opened for you. So it's the passive participle. Meaning, Fataha Allahu Ta'ala Hadihi Surah Lak. Like Allah has given you this opening. So, subhanAllah, imagine, man, every time you sit down and you look at Fatiha, or every time you say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Allah has opened the door for you Allah has given you Fat and that's why in our tradition the word Fat is not always associated with something like armies or conquering how do we open our prayer what is the dua called which we open our prayer with istiftah atlubul Fat I'm seeking victory. Victory over what? Over my nafs. Over myself. That's why the place in the masjid is called mihrab. The place of war. Because that's why I go to war with myself. If you're a crossfitter, you know this kind of language. Go to war with yourself. So al-fatiha bima'na al-maftuh meaning Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has opened this door for you into a relationship with Allah. That's why anybody who reads Al-Fatiha, whether you're a sinner or a saint, you have to know that you have been given an opportunity by Allah because Allah cares about you. And that door has been opened for you. The question is, what are we going to do? Imam Ibn Ta'ala, he says in the hikam you know, if a door is open for you, go in it. Sayyidina Abdullah bin Mas'ud used to say, you know, race to the doors that have been opened for you by Allah. Imam Ibn Qayyim said, one of the tricks of shaitan is like, when you feel like, yeah, like Allah is working in my life, yahuru al mar'i wa qalbi, goes between what's you in your heart, Allah knows. He said, at that moment, you know, shaitan will come to you and say, but you did this, you did that, you did this, you had this bad experience with this person, this person, that person, this, this, this. Stuff we forgot about years ago. 
to keep us away from Allah. So Fatiha is a promise. That's why some of the early scholars called Al-Fatiha the promise. It's that promise that Allah وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِ عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ Allah is close to you. وَهُوَ مَعَكُمْ أَيْنَمَا كُنْتُمْ I'm with you wherever you are. فَذْكُرُونِ أَذْكُرُكُمْ Remember me, I'll remember you. Take one step to me, I take ten steps to you. You walk to me, I'll run to you. So every single time you and I recite Al-Fatiha, we are experiencing the transcendent mercy of openings with Allah. And of course in Al-Fatiha, we find a number of things, faith, practice, spirituality, and character. And, and nestled in Al-Fatiha is that statement, إِيَّاكَ نَعْبُدُ وَإِيَّاكَ And right after that is what? إِهْدِنَ الصِّرَاطَ مُسْتَقِيمُ Guide us. It's a lot that can be said about this word. Because sometimes also we may feel like, I'm not a sheikh, I'm not religious, you know, I'm not the most adherent person, or maybe I'm an artist, maybe I'm a lawyer, maybe I'm a businessman, maybe I'm a businesswoman, maybe I drive Uber, I'm a college student, whatever, like, I don't, sometimes if someone told me, like, I feel like when I read the Quran, it's not talking about me. It's like watching LeBron play basketball, like, I'm not that person. But a sirat, and just bear with me for a second, in one of our authentic qiraat, as a shatabi says, وَصَادَ زَيِّنْ أَشِمَّهَا لَدَى خَلَفِينَ Imam al-Khalad wa Imam al-Khalaf, two of the great imams of the seven, they say, al-zirat, al-za, not sad. If you're from Egypt, you know, حَسْبُ الظُّرُفْ كِذَا You talk like this. Al-zirat. The word zirat, actually, sirat came from that. The foundational word is Zah, it's Saad and Zad got married and had a baby. I don't know how to explain it. Called Azirat Shmeb. And that word actually means a wide path. Something wide. It's so wide that when someone would walk down Sirat, it was like they got swallowed by it. So he said, Zirat al Mustaqim. If you hear somebody read like this, don't get scared. It's one of the seven, mashallah. Qiraat. But subhanAllah is mentioned by Shatabi. But why subhanAllah is, it's so wide. Arabs used to say, you know, You know, don't be too sweet. They use the word sirat in its, its actual meaning because you're going to get swallowed by people. So the sirat, it swallows you because it's so big. So that means that mashallah, the different approaches that we come to being on guidance that we agree on faith in Allah and practice in Islam. But we may came from different places. Sidi Ahmad Zarouq, he says very beautifully, اختلاف المسالك لسالك. He said, you know, different approaches is a mercy for people who are seeking Allah. So maybe some people, they make dhikr through their art. Some people make dhikr with their tongue. Some people make dhikr through their charity work. People, they are engaged in different acts of coming on the sirat. It's not just for you. It's not just for me. The Muslims are not like a monolith. Allah said, every direction, everyone has their direction that they follow, meaning their passion that they follow. That's why Sayyidina Nabi alayhi salatu salam, he 
He has different answers for people who come to him. Like, what's the best thing to do? Be good to your parents. What's the best thing to do? O Messenger of Allah, seek knowledge. What's the best thing to do? You know, give charity. Ashatubi says muwafaqat. Because people, they're different. They have different approaches. Not everybody wants to learn and seek knowledge. So we shouldn't be, you know, mad at these people because they're activists and mad at these people because they're students of knowledge, mad at these people because they're worried about Yemen and mad at these people because they're worried about the youth. All are, inshallah, on goodness. That's why Sayyidina Imam Madik, rahimahullah, when someone sent him a letter and they said to him, you know, you're not Sufi enough, you're not pious you know, you don't fast, you dress nice, you should dress like more frugally, you teach too much. Can you imagine someone saying to Imam Malik, like you teach too much, you're too busy in scholarly pursuits. And he wrote back and he said, in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has divided our actions like rain. Like rain falls in different places, different, different amounts of rain. But it's still rain, alhamdulillah. And things that grow will be different. Like in kullu khair, alhamdulillah. One of the biggest problems I've seen of Muslims is not that we argue over evil, we argue over good. SubhanAllah. But it's al-zirat, al-sirat. And then we ask Allah, sirat al-mustaqim. And we'll finish here insha'Allah. Guide us. And that dua is, is answered, alhamdulillah. In the next chapter, Surah Al-Baqarah, Allah says after Alif Lam Mim, Allah says, ذلك. The word ذلك, it's, it means something like far from you. This. Uh, Ar-Razi calls لام البعد. Yani something far. ذلك الكتاب. Not هذا الكتاب. ذلك الكتاب. Why? There's like three or four opinions. All of them could be correct. And also sometimes an opinion can change depending on the context of a person. So for example, as a non-Muslim, when I was young as a non-Muslim, I, I understood through reading the Bible that somebody was supposed to come after Jesus. It's not taught in the church, but it's there. So when I read Dalik al-Kitab in English, I thought, oh, like this is the book after Quran. Like this is the book I've been looking for. So one of the interpretations, subhanAllah, ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابِ لِلْكَافِرِ For the disbeliever who is looking for something, this is that book that they've been looking for. This is the book that you've been searching for. That's one interpretation. Mission by Imam al-Nasafi. The Tafsir al-Azhar al-Sharif min zaman, Tafsir al-Nasafi. The second is that ذَلِكَ it's, it's used to show like something. Wow, you should like respect it. Like, wow, it's like, it's up there, man. But still, Allah has brought it in front of you to show you that Allah, Rabbul Alameen, as Allah is the Rabb of all things, He's also the Rabb of your heart and your Iman. So, this book, which you may think is hard to find and difficult to discover, is in front of you. The third is like something like that. It's far, it's like metaphorically high. I should have adab with it. I should have akhlaq with the Quran. So, this is the book. There's no doubt in it. There's a beautiful qira'ah of Abu Amr al-Basri. 
الإدغام as mentioned by Shatibi ذلك الكتاب لا ريب فيه هدى للمتقين إدغام of ها and ها this is from the seven قراءات I'm not saying that to boast or brag but I want to encourage people to move beyond just cheerleading lectures if we raise the bar of literacy in our lectures our community will become more intelligent but if we just continue to talk about you know meat, music, mortgages M&M we're in Detroit M&M Right? People are not going to learn. And they're going to get bored. And also we should challenge scholarship and students of knowledge and someone like myself who's a content provider only to raise the bar. So there's one beautiful qira'ah of Abu Amr al-Basri. MashaAllah. Idghamu ha'an. Thalika al-kitabu la rayba fi hudal lil-muttaqeen. It's a very beautiful qira'ah, MashaAllah. But all of us, most of us, read in Hafs, ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابُ لَا رَيْبَ فِيهُ هُدَى لِلْمُتَّقِينَ Huda, and we're going to stop here, inshallah, because of time. Huda actually is interesting. Imam As-Suyuti, rahimahullah, he says, Huda is the outcome of the Qur'an. But sometimes like Arabic will do this, called majaz ma sayakun. Like Arabic will mention majaz ma sayakun. Like what is to happen? The outcome. Like, you know, sometimes, like if you take an exam and someone says to you, like, you know, you're going to pass. Like, be success. You're going to be successful. Like they mention the outcome. Why do they mention the outcome? To motivate you, to encourage you. Even though, like, I didn't take the exam yet, man. It's like, we do it sometimes in English. Allah said, As if to say, the purpose of the Qur'an, if someone has the right type of optics, is guidance. The end result of the Qur'an is guidance. And that's the answer to the dua. إِهْدِنَا الصِّرَاطَ مُسْتَقِيمُ خُدَلِّ الْمُتَّقِينَ The word hidayah is from the word hadiyah. It's a gift. You give someone a gift, you call it hadiyat. Because it's a gift from Allah to you. Imagine, subhanAllah, in your heart, man, when you have iman, you say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, you find the motivation to serve people and be good to others. That's a gift from God. If you don't believe it's a gift, just read the newspaper, all the crazy stuff that's happened in the world. Amongst Muslims and outside of the Muslim community. If Allah wanted, our hearts would be lost. If Allah willed, we would lose our iman. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose you and put the gift of iman in your chest, man. Allahu Akbar. Huda, the outcome of the Qur'an is guidance. What are the optics needed to be a person of guidance? Lil-muttaqeen is taqwa. The word taqwa and al-muttaqi is the one who seeks taqwa. We learn something very important here. The word nasta'een, al-muttaqeen, conveys all of the beliefs of Ahl sunnah about qada and qadr. We don't have time to talk about it, but it implies we have to work hard. Somebody asked me, why should I do good if God knows if I'm going to go to heaven or hell? I said, if you believe that God knows you're going to heaven and hell, that means that Allah's knowledge is transcendent. It's perfect. Yes. So if Allah's knowledge is perfect and you're using His perfect knowledge not to act, Yet he orders you to act. This means you don't believe his knowledge is perfect. You contradicted yourself. 
If I say, yes, God knows all. And since he knows all, I'm not going to do anything. But then knowing all has ordered me to do good. I'm contradicting this, this statement. But Allah says, Hudallil muttaqeen from the form ifta'ala. Ifta'ala, that form means like, I work for it. I sought it. Ibn Malik said, Like if you understand the, the measures of the words, the language opens to you, mashallah. It's not hard. This is not hard stuff. It's not hard, subhanAllah. But if we keep dumbing down the message, it seems hard to people. It seems like it's hard. I remember when I was 15 years old, my friend, he's like, you can dunk a basketball. I can't do it now, so don't ask me. But I remember I was like, man, there's no way, man. It's impossible. So we had one of those goals that you can like make shorter and taller. So I turned around and he put it at 10 feet. He's like, oh, he tried this one. It's lower. And I dunked it. He said, that's 10 feet, man. I said, no, no way. It's not 10 feet. He said, subhanAllah, you don't believe in yourself because you've been dumbing it down. You've been dunking on your closet too long. In our community, especially the American Muslim community, I worry about a pop message which is untethered from religious foundations, but also untethered from critical thought. So on the one end, we have religious people who are uncritical of their religious leadership and uncritical of the messages which they hear, which means they're not very intelligent. And on the other, we have a community that's becoming slowly secularized because of their lack of relationship with religion itself. The language of religion is gone from many spaces now in the Muslim community. That's concerning. So the word muttaqeen is from a form which means I sought taqwa. Meaning I'm the agent. God has guided me and now I'm trying to achieve taqwa. Allah bless you, mashallah. And the qualities of taqwa are not impossible. They're not difficult to achieve. They just demand discipline. And that's why those qualities are mentioned in the next few verses. And we'll stop. Those who believe with the unseen, because daba means with, so I'm living a life of choice. I establish a salah. And I spend tonight, mashallah. It's a great opportunity, man. You, you see people in the activist community, they have a legitimate complaint with the religious community. That yeah, you you these pleiatitudes and this grandizing and this some beautiful language, but then we see most of the Mashaykh overseas justifying the slaughtering of people or sitting with oppressors or not speaking truth to power or not even putting their money where their mouth is. So we see Allah balances here the notion of knowledge and practice with what? Sacrifice. Give. And the way it's worded, even though our scholars say it means zakat and charity, but it means like whatever you can give, whatever I can give, maybe the only thing I can give is to forgive people. I give it. Maybe the only thing I can give is volunteering. I give it. But this activism component is always found in relationship to faith. Faith devoid of activism is hypocrisy. And activism void of faith could be idolatry. I'm not doing it for God. I'm doing it for something else. 
يُنْفِقُونَ Then it says, وَالَّذِينَ يُؤْمِنُونَ بِمَا أُنْزِلَ إِلَيْكِ وَمَا أُنْزِلَ مِنْ قَبْرِكَ وَبِلَاخِرَتِهُمْ يُقِينُونَ They believe in what was sent to you, and they believe what was sent before you, and they have certainty in the hereafter. And as we finish, because of time, أُولَٰئِكَ عَلَىٰ هُدًا مِنْ رَبِّهِمْ وَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمْ الْمُفْلِحُونَ أُولَىٰ also means far away, like as though you feel these people have been raised. Their darajat, their maqam has been raised by Allah. So Allah says, أُولَٰئِكَ عَلَىٰ هُدًا And ala means above, ala al-gabal, ala al-tarabiza. So the feeling of ulu, to be high, as though نَرْفَعُ دَرَجَاتٍ مَّنْ نَشَاءُ We raise who we want. So أُولَٰئِكَ They are those who we raised high. ala huda. Upon guidance, the outcome, So these are the signs, man. Faith, prayer, activism, organizing, working together for good, believing in revelation, foundations, not heathenism. These are the, the outcome of those things. Huda is that gift of guidance. The word muflih, in Egypt, you know, they call fallah, you know, the farmer. Because the fallah is the person, my grandfather, subhanahu was a farmer. All the way back to Ireland, we came as indentured servants in 1661 to this country. Farmers. And subhanAllah, I remember as a child, I would go to the farm, and this man, mashallah, in his 50s would wake up after Fajr, and work till sunset. Cows and wheat and maize. That was his life. Imam al-Qurtubi said that Allah calls these people muflihun because they use this life to harvest the fruits in the hereafter, subhanAllah. That they use this life to plant the blessings وَالْبَاقِيَاتُ الصَّالِحَاتُ so don't get upset with hard times. Sometimes you're going to get that rain. Sometimes you're going to get sunshine. Sometimes you're going to get a drought. Sometimes your crops may be ruined. Sometimes the seasons may not be going your way. But the farmer keeps going. Just keeps going. Consistency. Because he or she believes that what's with Allah, وَمَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ بَاقِ So alhamdulillah, just took a little bit of a trip through the beginning of the Qur'an, alhamdulillah, very light, simple, mashallah. But al-Fatiha is this gift from Allah. Surah Al-Baqarah, whoever acts on the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, khalas, alhamdulillah, like it's enough for them. And the Qur'an helps us emancipate our theology from authoritarianism and spiritual abuse. It helps us emancipate our theology from ideologies and notions which are molesting the purity of our faith and from sin and evil, alhamdulillah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless you inshallah, to make the Qur'an uh, beloved to us. I'm very thankful for, for your time. Jazakallah uh, khairan. If you have any questions, we can take your questions. If not, uh, we can go home inshallah and spend some time with our families inshallah.